Hi everyone and welcome along to our Grand National Special Studs Up. And for the first time ever, we are in our Studs Up dressing room. And alongside me, Charlie Austin, my Studs Up strike partner, and our special guest for the Grand National Special, Tim Sherwood. Good to see you, Tim. Thanks for joining us. And Charlie, great to finally see you after all this time on Zoom. I know, mate. I can't believe we're here. Finally, it's been a long 10 weeks, 12 weeks away for everybody. But um, for me and you, mate, it's, I'm delighted to see you in person. And we've, we've been on the road to Cheltenham and now we're looking forward to, to Aintree. But the football continues for you. A busy yep. time of it just now at, at Easter. How did you get on? Played good Friday against Coventry, won 3-0. It was a dominant performance from start to finish. And then we played Monday and got beat 3-1 to Nottingham Forest, which was uh, just put down to a bad day at the office. It happens and we move on now. There'll be people listening to this podcast um, brought to, to everyone by Oz Checker and Skybet. There'll be people watching it. And for those watching it, they'll be able to see that you've brought your 50 goals I, QPR shirt in. I know. Thank I, you for I, that. Do you know what happened? I actually, it was in the back of the car. I should have brought a 45 Austin shirt, but I just thought, oh, I'll just bring it. You just wanted to remind everyone. Just remind everyone goals. I got to 50 for the first time. <laughs> I'll go with a 50 one to remind everyone. Tim, thanks so much for joining us. Great to see you. I, I know that probably in, in the, the punditry world and what have you, it's a busy time for, for Easter, but have you got one eye on the, on the Grand National coming up on Saturday? It's always exciting, isn't it, the Grand National? You know, I love Ascot, um, love Cheltenham, and then the Grand National comes around. So, um, shame there's going to be no fans, but, you know, we, it's better than, better than nothing, you know. To, yeah. uh, I've been to Aintree myself, and, you know, it's a great occasion. It's a um, lottery of a race, you know yourself, and it's... So many things can happen. It's such a you admire the jockeys, you know, to get over them jumps, you know, our, the bravery of them guys, you know, athletes, what they are, and the strength and the concentration, what they need to be able to go the distance. Yeah. Um, you know, I admire them greatly. You know, it's a fantastic achievement for them to be able to do it, and rather them than me. We speak on behalf of all three of us, uh, Jim, <laughs> yeah. I tell you. It does take an awful lot of bottle and throughout the course of, of this week's Grand National Special, we'll hear from a few of the leading players as well. So we'll get the insight from those who are lining up in the big race. But what, what happens in football clubs up and down the country? You can, you can both tell us your, your Grand National experiences because will you, like everyone up and down the country, Chaz, in the QPR dressing room, be doing... Sweepstakes. sweepstakes and whatnot. Yeah, of course. Everyone, every football club have done it. Not only that, but when it was non-league days, we used to do the sweepstakes as well. The football club used to do it, but the, the timings used to be four o'clock, didn't they? Yeah. It used to be at half time. I remember when I was playing for Kimpri and Hungford used to try and delay the kickoff for the second half about ten minutes. Would you watch the race in the dressing room? Not just time? me, but every footballer that was involved in the day. You know I mean, the opposition team we were just piling the club out. Was watching <laughs> ref would blow his whistle, we were straight back out. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But everyone just buys into it. Even the people that are not into racing. 365 days, you know what I mean? But for that one special event, it's the most watched race in the world, isn't it? Before we look at this year's runners, how did you get into racing? How did your sort of love affair with the sport happen? Um, my family were bookmakers. So my dad, my dad and my, my uncle, they set up high street betting shops for the Playboy Club back in the day. Um, and then my uncle is Alan Kinghorn. He set up Kinghorns, which is on Rouse bookmaker credit. And my dad worked for the company as well. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, if I asked him now and say, did you love it? He was so no, you know, and, I, and I, when I spoke to my uncle about it, and I just said, what was the life like? He said, well, you, whatever you got in your pocket at the beginning of the season, you go like this, you go like that, keep going yeah. like that, and in the end of it, you probably got the same amount of money, <laughs> you know, but it takes a few years off your life, you know, yeah. the stress of it. But 
Um, my dad gave it up when I started to get into the first team, you know, coming through as a player because Saturdays was obviously a big day mm. for racing um, and he wanted to watch me play. So, and also there was a few footballers who bet with him who owed him a few quid. So uh, <laughs> it was very difficult for him to go and get the money yeah. back. Uh, that must have been a great experience, though, growing up with your dad. I mean, if, if someone said to me that my old man was going to work for the Playboy Club and I was a kid, I'd bite their hand off. Okay, right, Dad, I'm coming to work. Can I do work I, for you? I, 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 I live now just around the corner from um, from uh, Albury, and uh, there was a there was a um, I forgot what the stocks yeah. stocks yeah where they used to train the bunny girls. So the bunny girls used to train uh, train them up there, and in the summer we used to go to garden parties there. My dad used to obviously get invited and we used to go there. Uh, it, was, it was interesting. What were they yeah. like? Well, the bunny girls. The, <laughs> the parties, Tim. <laughs> the bouncy castle was great. <laughs> <laughs> work experience, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I Unreal, did my work experience there. They had an office in uh, Tottenham Court Road. Did um, you actually? I did my work experience there, yeah. So uh, I used to do the board. Uh, would it have, if, if you weren't a good footballer and obviously kicked on as a footballer, would would it would racing and, and a career in in bookmaking have been something you went down to? Yeah, I'd probably be in a golfer. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so everyone else. Yeah. Is true. Masters this no, week. I would have been definitely a bookmaker. Really, I would have, I would think so. Yeah. Could you do you know all the tic tac and stuff? No, no. You don't need to now, obviously, but I remember growing up watching it with Big Mac in the betting ring doing yeah. all that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I remember See, seeing them there all the yeah. time when I used to go there and my dad was on the rouse because they, they had pitches at, at all the big events and then pitches used to be worth a lot of money and I remember him saying, you know, that's our pension. You know, all of a sudden, all, everything went online and then pitches were actually worth square root of zero, yeah. which was bad news. I tell you what, I, we're going off on a slight tangent, but when I first started work at, at Racing UK when I was 18, just left school and Babe Station used to work out at Teddington Studios, but they didn't have a... What's that? What is it? Uh, I, don't know, I don't know. Charlie knows. Charlie's <laughs> don't throw me under the bus here, mate. <laughs> anyway, so, anyway, we probably can't keep this in the edit, but I'll tell you anyway, because they'll cut it out. But they, they didn't have a female toilet on the fifth floor, which is where the Racing UK edit suite was, which is where I used to work. So they had to change in the blokes lose on the fifth floor. And there was a changeover in the programmes at eight o'clock. So every eight o'clock, I was there. Need a wee, Gov? See you <laughs> Oh, sorry to me. Sorry, Sharon. Didn't mean to see you. <laughs> Madness. Love it. I hope they keep this in. <laughs> I hope they keep this in. Uh, moving on to this year's Grand National, and let's go through some of the story horses. I'm going to read out a few names because I think there'll be people listening and watching this, Tim, that will... Well, I, I suppose before I list out some of the names, the Grand National is a race where I imagine you go through and you go, right, I've got a cousin called Gary, so we'll yeah. back Gary, you know, like the colours you like and stuff like yeah. that. Is that what you do, Chaz, as well? Do you know what? I, mine's, if I don't have no names in there, obviously with my kids and stuff, I just do the, the birthdays. Yeah. That's what I go for. Numbers, the numbers, yeah, yeah. yeah. Often that's how I do, and then like this year for me, cloth caps there to yeah. to win. Unfortunately, it's not the number of uh, <laughs> yeah, me, me kids' birthday, but I will. I'll be back, and mm. I think it'll take a little bit of stopping. I really do. Short price, but yeah, I think it'll take a lot of beating. I think it'd be. The, I think it wins. It gets round. Obviously, not impeded. I think if it gets round, it, it wins. You know, it'd be the shortest price for a hundred yeah. years or something. Yeah. You know? I think. So, Sad story of it, Tim. We were all for Clough Cup. I think the sad story is Tiger Old not running. I don't want to keep going on, but yeah. it's a sad story mm. that he's, he's not running. It's, you can imagine how many people be watching for him going for the third yeah. to win it three times. It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'm trying to think what it would be like in a different sport, but because it's only happened once in racing before with Red Rum, 
you know, to, to have him not line up and make it, can you imagine how many eyeballs would be on that race if Tiger Roll was lining up this year? It is a real shame, but it's presented Cloth Cap with an unbelievable yeah. opportunity. And as you say, shortest price favourite for, for many a year. Yeah. I think 1975, there was a 72 winner of the race, but few, you actually weirdly get more 100 to one winners than you do really yeah. short price yeah, yeah. favourite win the national. But on all known form to me, looks like an absolute good thing. I think it? so, yeah. I mean, John Joe's been in the game so long and he's he's won a national, isn't he? Yeah, 80, don't, don't push it yeah. with um, AP train that horse 86 or something like yeah. that or whatever it was. So he's, um, I, I think it's about time, you know, he wins yeah. another one. He's in there, obviously, with no Tiger Roll, he's got a real opportunity to be able to mm. achieve it. But um, and normally, we talked about if it's not numbers, it's not names, then it's colours, you know, and especially at Liverpool, you know, there won't be any yeah. Everton fans who are, on the red with that colour behind you. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is a horse running called Definitely Red as well, so yeah. I'm sure that the Liverpool fans will be siding with that horse. The, the one thing I would say, though, is that the race has changed a lot. The fences have been modified. It's mm. not like the Grand Nationals yeah. of old where you'd have a 12-foot drop yeah. on beaches and you know the, the chair was basically mm. a brick wall. But also, as well, the loose horses, they, they, yeah. every horse can go round a fence and there's pen areas as well. So the, the welfare for the Grand National is unbelievable, yeah. second to none. But it means a horse like Cloth Cat you don't have to have that worry of like a loose horse darting mm. in front mm. of you anymore. Like, so technically you should get a clear passage really. So it's quite hard to, to find a flaw in, in him. Mm. Will you lads be backing him? I'm gonna back him, yeah. Yeah, I'm cloth cap? Back, yeah, I'm black. Will back you back him? him? I will, yeah. yeah. Bristol Demire's top weight, he's a grey in the race. I yeah. think only four horses that are um, grey horses have won the race in the past, including mm. Neptune Colon, who Daryl Jacob rode. We'll hear from Daryl later on in this week's Grand National Special, but he was a brilliant guest the other day, wasn't he? Was superb, mate. Honestly, just the way he was talking about... I, I, do you know what I enjoyed the most? When he was on about well, the jockeys giving it to each other when they're yeah. racing and that. Mm. So in my head, I always thought, surely they must chat to each other. Because when I'm playing football, yeah. I'm saying you always give it to the opponent. Like, So I did like it when Sam Twiston Davis was sticking Do you ever it. talk to footballers, either opposition or your own team? Obviously, I know you talk on the pitch, but about like... What you're doing in the evening and oh, just no, like normal stuff. No, no, no. Just, I'd just give it to the centre halves. Yeah, I think it's changed a bit now. I remember playing North London derbies, and you know we needed to find an edge, and I would try to intimidate Vieira and, and Petit, and it didn't work. How did you go? Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you. I mean, uh, Petit used to bite a little bit, you know, bite back, and then. How know, would you do it though? Like verbals? Just, yeah, yeah. Just try and find an edge, just to put them off the game. Try and. You know, they're obviously concentrated. They were far superior in mm. back in the day to what we had. So we had to try and find an edge. And um, I remember, obviously, the sporting director at Charlie's Club now, Les Ferdinand, he used to turn, he used to turn to me and say, "Tim, what are you doing?" But <laughs> I think if you pick a fight in the in the tunnel, I think uh, I could handle the uh, the banter. I was the one giving it out. I thought it might, you know, take him off the scent, but it didn't work. And certainly not with Patrick. He just used to look forward and as if I weren't even there, I didn't even exist. And when we were on the pitch, that's the way, the respect he gave me as well. <laughs> <laughs> what about Roy Keane? Did you ever try and get in his Yeah, you, you try everything. I remember Roy as a very young boy, he played for Nottingham Forest. I was at Norwich at the time. And they were playing us in midweek and they had an FA Cup semi-final with me. And he come and two-footed me like you wouldn't believe. And he, I was a lot older than, than Roy. And I remember grabbing him by the throat on the floor as if to say, look, do you want to play in that game at the weekend? You know, because otherwise, and it, like, same again, water off the duck's back. It was as if, like, I was talking to a piece of stone, no you know, and I knew, you knew then that he was a real deal, you know, that he had that mentality that he calls it the eye of the tiger. That's exactly what he had. Were there any players that did bite 
Oh um, yeah, you could get them. That's why you did it because you yeah, could, thought yeah. you, you could get you can get them and you can take them off. You know, take them off the scent of um, of what is in front of them. But um, you just who was the who was the one that you knew every time you went on a pitch? You oh, could there's, get too, a reaction there's too many. There's, <laughs> too many. there's too many easy targets. <laughs> Apart from the Aero Keen, that's it. Three yeah. solid ones. I think that's you pick what your battles. I need to tell you the bad stuff. Yeah, you got just got to pick your battles. But I think that's the dark arts, isn't it? Everyone's mm. after their small advantages, and if you can, if you, as soon as you get one. Mm. That's it. When you know you're in someone's head, that's it's the best. Well, the worst thing is now the cameras are right in the tunnel. So when you're lining up, it's a North London derby. The fans outside, they hate each other. And they're watching them on the big screen, kissing and cuddling each other in the tunnel. I don't think it sends out a great message, you know, because them fans mm. want nothing more than to have one over and the bragging rights of the of their... The, the guys are going to work with every day. You know, they want the bragging rights. They ask, you're right, you're from North London like I am. It, it was Arsenal or it was Tottenham. There was no Man United or Leicester shirts or Man City shirts. It was one or the other. And I think a lot of them diehard fans are exactly the same. And the last thing they want to see is the Tottenham player talking and kissing and cuddling with the mm. Arsenal players. Mm. I don't think it's right. I want to just ask you about the North London derby in a moment. But do you reckon you can tell, like what Tim was saying there with Roy, it's still in the day, in today's game whether a player is going to make it when they're coming through and whether they can sort of take stuff like that. Does that still mm -hmm. happen? And can you determine how good a player is because of that? Yeah, because the mentality is different. It's already there. Mm. It's already set in stone. I see it with Pierre Hoiberg. When he came in at uh, Southampton, he kind of had the the German mentality. So he'd come through Bayern Munich mm. and he'd come to Southampton. The winning mentality was there from day one in training. Played games exactly how he trained, tackled, every, wanted to win everything. And I think that's what comes. It doesn't matter what you said to him, he just wasn't interested. Yeah. He just wasn't interested. And, he, and you just see that for the next year he performed and the following year. And then obviously he's gone on this year and he's, he's played yeah. really well for Tottenham. So I think it's still there, but some players are just different. Mm. They are just built different. And it is, it is in the English game. James Ward-Prowse is very very much similar. Mm. You can't really say a lot to him. He's so driven, so focused to be mm. the best as best as what he can be. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I don't think it's anything to do with experience. I think it's just in your makeup. I think Harry Kane is certainly one who I could tell you. I mean, when I told him he was playing in the Premier League on the Friday... So he'd waited his time. We had Saldado, who was a big money signing, come in from Spain, very good player. But it just wasn't happening for him. And then when I took over, I give him three or four games. And I, Harry was outperforming him every day on the training field. So I said to Harry, you're going to play tomorrow. And he looked at me as if to say, yeah, about fucking time. Really? You know, it wasn't as if like, he was like nervous and I thought I knew yeah. he was going to have a sleepless night. He's probably thought, can't wait. This is a chance I've been waiting for. Now it's my turn. Yeah. And he was almost looked to me as if to say, why did you wait so long? And yeah. that is the mentality you need. And he, he reminds me so much of Alan Shearer, someone I played with as well, who's obviously the best striker we've ever seen in the Premier League. So when, because you gave Harry his Premier League debut, right? Yeah. And you've obviously, I mean, obviously, clearly he's doing the right things in, in training. But could you say... Obviously, hindsight's a wonderful, a wonderful thing, but could you say back then that you you knew he had the, the the minerals to go and achieve what he's got on to achieve? Yeah, I, I could say that because I knew him more than his family. His family know him as Harry Kane. I knew him as the footballer, and right. that's what was important. So I see, a, I was around him a lot, and he never he never wasted one day on the training field, and he still wouldn't. He he, there's never a ceiling for Harry. He still thinks he could go higher and higher. And that's the mentality you need. He was always working on his craft, left foot, right foot, headers, you know, movement, holding the ball up, sitting into people. And he wanted to improve himself. Now, I loaned him out because I wanted him to go and get some experience in men's football. So he went to League One 
uh, with Leighton Orient. He went to with Kenny Jackie at Millwall. He went to Leicester, Norwich. Every single manager who had him on loan said he wouldn't play in the Premier League because he lacked. Because they were going through all these. He can't do this. He can't do that. I mean, if we look at what players can't do, no one would ever play. And you would never, ever scout a player. I mean, it was such nonsense. And it was really difficult for me to the managers at the time were saying, well, Tim, if he can't play for Orient and he can't play for them, how can he play for Tottenham? And I say, because... Let's send, I used to give the example, I said, let's send Luka Modric out to Orient and see how he gets on. Yeah. See if he looks like a top draw player. <laughs> we, he's a Ballon d'Or winner. Yeah. I say it's difficult. When they're around better players, it becomes easier for them. Mm. This kid has got the correct mentality and that's the best thing I can say about Harry. You take ability, you've got ability and you've got mentality and I will take mentality over ability all day long. If you can marry the two together, you've got a serious plan. Well, you went on a rant there, didn't you, on yeah. a previous Studs Up saying that he has to move on now. Yeah. Um, do you stand by that? Yeah, I do. Because if he stays at Tottenham, he they're not going to win the Premier League. For easy, I don't think they're good enough to win the Premier League. He can't do it on his. He can't do it on his own, and he can only really go individually, go and beat Shearer's record of 260 goals. I think he will do that. But for me, I think he should move on and go and win trophies. He deserves to. He's an unbelievable player, and I think waiting goes on about when he was younger and building it through. You can see how much he's worked on his game. His back to goal stuff is is top draw. People don't realise how strong he is. When you watch him closely up close, how he rides tackles and he can almost see the defenders come and he bounces off them and he's just away. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant centre forward. What would your advice be? You've clearly had a big impact on his career. What would your advice be to him now in, in light of what Charlie was saying? Well, I think my advice would be he's got to get in to speak to Daniel Levy. He's got to speak to Jose, who's the manager at the moment, and see if the ambition of the football club and the manager matches his ambition. He obviously wants to win something. He doesn't want an empty career. I think that's Jose's words. And I think an empty career means no trophies. He needs to win trophies. Charlie's absolutely right. If he stays, no matter where he plays, he could go to Southampton or with respect or Palace or, and he will still beat Alan Shearer's record if he stays in the Premier League. Now, he's scoring and assisting goals like you wouldn't believe. Where would they be without him? They need to keep him at the football club. Now, I think they need to, in order to keep him at the football club, he needs to be playing Champions League football. You know, and they can still do it. There's still time for them to do it. They won't do it without Harry Kane. I mean, every time he plays and they say, well, what a partnership he struck up with Son, who's a fantastic player, by the way. But then Gareth Bale comes and he has a little cameo with, with Harry Kane. Mm. And they say, oh, he's brilliant partnership with him. Then Lucas Moura. There's one common denominator. It's Harry Kane. Mm. He's different class. He knows his appreciation. His football IQ is second to none. He comes off as a 10 and he's better than anyone as a 10. I used to say to him, He's a cross between, and I'm going to say two legend players, he's a cross between Teddy Sheridan and Alan Shearer. Now, if you're a cross between them two, you've got a lot to do. He's still not at the heights of Shearer, and he's still not, as a 10, the heights of Sheridan. But he will get there, and he's a mix between the two, and that tells you how good he actually is. It's like a sort of mashup of the greatest players from the sort of it's 90s England, England. But he has it all. He does. When you watch him, you say, do you think the League, Cup, the League Cup's not enough? No, I don't think the League Cup's enough for him. It helps. I mean, we saw it with Man United back in the day when they win the League Cup and then it, it spurs them on to go and win yeah. the bigger prizes. Chelsea have done that as well. So Tottenham will be hoping that that is their thing. He loves the football club. Let's, not, let's, yeah. let's get it right. He loves it. But it depends what options there are out there for him. 
I think he would want to stay in the Premier League. Do you? I'm not sure. You, if, say, if Barcelona or Madrid I think comes sniffing around. Dolly, it narrows it down. If you stand in the Premier League, who can afford him in yeah. the Premier League? Probably two clubs. Yeah. And will a lot determine what Haaland does in the summer as to what happens to yeah. Harry Kane? Absolutely. He's sort of... I just think it'd be, say, chairs, both of them for me. I think both. If one goes to Madrid or Barcelona, the other two will be looking at yeah. Harry Kane. But in the situation we're in, the circumstance we're in with the whole world and economics and that, yeah. it does come down to Absolutely. the figures from that. I think we're in a, it's, a, it's a strange old world, isn't it? I, listen, I wouldn't be ringing up the guys here at Ozchecker and saying, you know, what price Harry Kane to leave? I wouldn't put my life on it. Yeah. Daniel Levy should probably back cloth cap and then put the winnings to keep him at a time that we're in. Might be the way forward. There's, there's so many horses, because this is a Grand National Special that we want to talk about, and, and I'm going to just read out a few more of the, the horses that perhaps people might be siding with. Um, definitely red we touched on for the, 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 the red part of Liverpool. You've got Give Me a Copper, Fergie's got a, yeah. uh, a horse in the Grand National this year. Did you ever speak, did you ever manage against Fergie? Did you ever speak to him no. about racing? No. No, 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 not at all. He's a massive racing fan. He's also got yeah. Clanders Oboe in the bowl as well. So it could be a great weekend in Liverpool for the Man United legend, uh, Alex Ferguson. And then the horse that needs a few to get out and um, probably won't line up is Bo Bay. Um, mm. For Dr. Richard Newland, isn't your one of your children called? Oh, my daughter's is called Bo. Yeah, so I would I would only go with names. I would definitely be betting that each way. I think if it gets it, it'd be sixty six plus yeah, something yeah. to one. So I think that's a good each way prize, you know. But you're you're absolutely right. I mean, they don't get uh, they don't get um, affected anymore. You know, there's no loose horses. You know, so I think it narrows it down for them big price horses. Um, stories throughout, because you've got Yalarenki will be ridden by Bryony Frost. Rachel Blackmore is going to ride Manella Times and after Cheltenham, I think most people up and down the country will be packing That's Rachel. what I mean now. You look at it and they'll be thinking, right, where is she, what's she riding? What's she riding and we're going to follow her? And I think that that's where it was. Yeah. She's in that elite top five jockeys now, isn't she? Yeah. I think so where we used to look think, right, what's McCoy riding? What's Ruby Walsh riding? Now everyone will be looking off the back of Cheltenham. Where's Rachel Blackmore? What's she riding? And would people who didn't really, in your dressing room, who didn't really have a great interest in racing, chat to you about Rachel Blackmore and go, oh, have you heard about They'd say, also because it's everywhere, wasn't it? It was all over the news and everything. Even mm. my mother-in-law, she was going, oh, the, the female jockey did well today, didn't she? And I was like, yeah, did That's you back magic. her? No. Like, she, she didn't really have a bet, but she knew. Do you know what I mean? That was how much racing got out there because of how well Rachel Blackmore was doing. It was amazing to see. I knew we'd click when we got in the studs up dressing room because you've linked me so nicely there to our first Grand National interview, <laughs> as if by magic, you don't even know you're doing it. You've got something special about you, the X Factor, Charlie Austin. Yes. Because we might have, in 2021, the first ever female rider to win the Grand National. There is Bryony Frost, Rachel Blackmore, and also on a 100 to one shot, Tabitha Worsley, who will line up in her first ever Grand National on sub-lieutenant. We're just a very small setup. Uh, we were just talking about it over breakfast. He's £47 better than our next best-rated horse. <laughs> so we, uh, we've got a very moderate string in comparison. That's mad, actually. I didn't realise that. that. That is crazy. Um, tell, us, uh, tell us about the setup. For those that don't know, uh, it is a family family affair, isn't it? Yeah, massively. So it's, it's me and my mum. Uh, we train, uh, we always say, sort of six and a half horses because we've got a little homebred that I don't think you'll see the track this year. And uh, very much do it together. And then my brother and sister-in-law are also a massive part. They'll both lead him up because he's, uh, he's not the easiest in the paddock. <laughs> so it's a proper family affair. Do you think 101 is a bit of an insult? He's finished fourth in a grade one at Aintree, second in a grade one at Aintree. Second in a topham over the national fences. 
He's he's no back number this horse, is he? Not at all. No, say so I, I think if he was with any other yard, he, he'd be fifties or shorter. I mean, look at the storyteller. That's what twenty twenty five, and at Galway in the summer, he was nine lengths ahead of him on level weight. So it's if you take it literally, the the prices is ridiculous. But um, we're a tiny yard, and I say who's going to back our little horses? <laughs> Has it been a, a dream of yours ever since you were a, a young girl to ride in the Grand National? Yeah, I mean, it's every jockey's dream, isn't it? I um, I keep meaning to dig it out, but I'm pretty sure when I left school in our, like, leaving yearbooks, it said, what do you want to achieve? And I'm, I'm pretty sure in that I wrote that I want to ride in the Grand National one day. So for it to actually become a reality some years on, hopefully, <laughs> is quite special. That is magic. And, and how's mum coping? Uh, I don't think she slept for about two weeks, and I don't think she'll probably sleep until Sunday. But uh, I think excitement as well as just a lot of fear. And and finally, Tabitha, how do you think the nerves will be for you when when you're sort of lining up with with all the other jockeys and horses around you, and, and the starters going right, ready, jockeys? How how will you feel there? I'm sure there'll be a few butterflies, but I'm sure it'll be matched with the excitement of riding in the biggest jumps race in the world. I say it's. It's an unbelievable opportunity for me. So just hopefully we'll find a pocket of space and just have as clear a run as possible and enjoy it. Just imagine the nerves, right, as we heard from Tabitha there. It's, it's kind of amazing to think how you would feel on a horse, mm. tapes in front of you, that row of fences ahead for your first ever Grand National. I mean, the bottle you touched on at the top, Tim, that they have, it, it is unbelievable the level of skill that they need to do what they do that run there. Absolutely, and uh, you've got to give her all the credit in the world, but she would be a lot calmer than her family will be. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm. you can imagine her parents and grandparents yeah. and watching this race, you know, and it's, it is, you got you got to hand it to her. You know, she's in amongst it, there's some tough competitors there and some real fierce, strong animals, you know, and you, I, she's obviously capable of doing it and yeah. uh, we wish her well. Um, we'll touch more on some of the other runners a little bit later on, but let's talk about your incredible career. Mm. Clearly, uh, bookmaking wasn't the route you went down in the end because you're a very talented footballer. Um, how did it all come about? When did you know that you were going to make it as a professional footballer? Well, it's all, I, all I ever wanted to do. Growing up as a kid, wanted to be, you know, the teachers used to say to me, what if? I always used to say, well, it's quite a negative, yeah. what if's always a very negative way of going about it. It's, it's when, it's when I'll be a player. So I was really sure that I would do it. Mm. Um, I went around a few clubs and uh, my local team was Watford um, and I started there as an apprentice. You know, what was your I, first training session like there with the first team? Oh, I can't remember the first time. We, we would have been with Graham Taylor, who would have been the manager, who yeah. obviously went on to be an England manager and a very good man. Um, playing alongside John Barnes and, you know, legends like that, you know, was fantastic and great experience. And I always say, you know, from my early days, you know, when I was doing the development at Tottenham and bringing them young boys through, it's okay, the coach is giving the information, but you learn so much about, about yeah. the game on the training field and in matches with the experienced players and fantastic players. As long as you're prepared to learn, um, you learn so much off, off the experience like Charlie is now. I mean, he could give so much of his experience. If he's the correct type like he is, then he could give that experience to the younger players coming through. And that... that um, information is incredible and it was just brilliant for me you know to play but I remember getting like 100 quid or something like that and taking it home and saying to my mum and dad like I'm getting 
paid to play football. Oh, I cannot believe this. From Watford, went to Blackburn. What price did your old man have you to win the league that year? <laughs> uh, not that year. I went, I, I went to Norwich first and then. quickly moved on to, uh, to Blackburn. We were in the championship at the time, got promoted that year, yeah. and then um, the Premier League started, 92, 93, and you know, we finished fourth, then second, and then we managed to win the league. So it was a gradual but predictable step, yeah. you know. I, I, I wouldn't say after we finished fourth in the in the first year of the Premier League that I felt the dressing room expected to win the league. We absolutely never. But w the following year when we finished second, we went into the pre-season of the 94-95 season pretty much looking at each other it's, thinking we'll win the league. squad sure. was decent. Like I mean, obviously it's a Premier League winning squad, but it was some squad, didn't he? Shearer up top, you in, in midfield, Graham yeah. so you got some proper... You had a really good sort of core to that team, didn't you? Yeah, we a good goalkeeper. Tim Flowers was a fantastic goalkeeper. I played midfield with David Batty, who'd, who'd been around mm. and, and really tenacious player. It's not a midfield I'd like to come yeah, up against. No. <laughs> my, 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 mate, my mate, Big Leeds fan, said he's so underrated, don't get the respect yeah. that he deserves. No, he, was, he, was, he was brilliant at what he'd done, you know, breaking up the game and, and that mentality and drive. You know, you, you look at him in the tunnel with you and you know you've got someone on your side. I mean, we had a team full of leaders. I mean, a lot of them have gone on to management, but, you know, I was captain of the team, but it could have been anyone. You mm. know, there was a lot of leaders. Colin Hendry, you know, mm. or a, a That's a sign of a good dresser in that team, isn't it? Yeah. When you've, obviously, you won and winning, but when you've got, like you say, anyone could have been the captain. Mm. That's a sign of a. I mean, we had a brilliant manager as well, who we respected, we looked up to, because Kenny Douglas had done it all as a player and, a, and a, as a manager previous. You know, we've been at Liverpool and then he's come to Blackburn. So we looked at him. We felt, well, he knows he's going to steer us in the right direction. None of us had won before, uh, and he absolutely did that. He calmed us down at the right time and he fired us up at the right time. Um, but we were a group full of men, and we would tell. It didn't have to be patting on the back all the time. A lot of dressing rooms now. You yeah. only hear people talk when they're patting each other on the yeah. back. It weren't like that. We, when we had to give bad news to to each other, we did it. But we forgot about it as soon as we come out of the dressing room. The Premier League has has been a fascinating season actually for for many reasons. And now Man City have kicked clear, and the Champions yeah. League actually, when we record this, we'll find out who's won and when you're yeah. listening to this. But. Uh, but what I do want to talk about is actually when I was looking back at the season where you won the Premier League yourself, Tim, it was actually on the final day, wasn't it, mm. that um, that you managed to secure the title or sort of keep the title, if you like. Because Manu drew one all yeah. and Ludic McCloskey, the, yeah. the, the, the goalie, I hope I've pronounced his name That's right. It, yeah. He was unbelievable that day for West Ham, wasn't he? Yeah. He, yeah, of, he was. I mean, we sent him a crate of champagne. So <laughs> <laughs> did, you, yeah. did you actually? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just it was just immense, Ludo, on that day. And um, you know, people, I, I hate it when I hear people like criticising Andy Cole because they said because well, he missed some chances in that game, and you know, he should have scored and he shouldn't. If it wasn't for Andy Cole, he wouldn't have been in that, in that position anyway. Yeah. Mm. He scored so many goals in the build up to that. The running, he was incredible. So. No, I think the best team in the end is the team that wins. Yeah. You know, and it don't matter how close you come and how nervy it was, and it wasn't Liverpool, yeah. you know, so we're talking down the road at Aintree, it was just at Anfield. It was fantastic. I mean, it was just, it's a blur, really, yeah. you know. And we were 12 points clear at one stage, we were a couple of games in hand, and we were thinking, and I was obviously the captain, there was a chance to go onto that field and lift that trophy, you know, whenever that time might be. And it was, we were like hanging on like that, you yeah. know, and it looked like they were closing the gap and there was such a giant of a football club who knew how to get over the line and we didn't. 
but we managed to do it in the end, so it was a, it all worked it's out. Such well. a proud moment for you and your and your old man and your family, no doubt, yeah. to see you lift that trophy. I, I heard also that Blackburn turned down the chart. Have you heard this? Yeah. They turned down the charts to sign Zidane. Did you hear that? Yeah. Well, he come to Zidane and Dugarry the year after we won the league. Come to the training round. <laughs> no way. We saw them. We saw them. There. How old would they have been at the time? Like kids, oh, they'd right? been in their prime. You know, they would have been a yeah, decent player. Dugarry obviously went by the wayside. Zidane was the best player ever. You know, he was a. Well, so he was like proper. He was building up. Yeah. Right. So he wouldn't have been the Zidane, yeah. but he was very good for a long time. You know, so right. he was uh, <laughs> he was de- he was decent, but he just weren't good enough to get into the squad at that time. <laughs> I mean, Jack Walker said, I think his quote was, why do we need Zidane? He's obviously just turned him down. So Jack's thinking he's got the answer. He said, why do we need Zidane when we've got Tim Sherwood? Now, Jack liked to drink, but he must have been absolutely <laughs> blotto when he said that. What are you thinking when Zidane, when you're linked with Zidane? Did you train with him? Did, you, did he train with you on the... No, 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 we come, come to... Right. So what are you thinking, like, when they're coming in, are you thinking, right, we signed these right. two, are we going to... Oh, is that going to be us? We're going to and that's the mistake we made, because uh, we never... The team was was built on a foundation of fourth and second and then actually winning it, but then I think that's the time when you need to... Got to go them. again. And, and that's what Fergie done brilliantly. Yeah. You know, he went again, you know, and he knew the academy kids. He didn't want to block up the pathways, but he brought in a Cantona. He brought in, like, world-class players... Yeah, maybe just one or two. It freshens up the dressing room. I think Liverpool fell short of that yeah. a little bit. They Should tried, have... though, didn't they? They had Thiago come in. Pretty much. Had a few pretty much. Come yeah, and, they, and it's been crippled with injuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but they, they will start next season as second favourites to win it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, They've got a I great mean, squad, don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and Van Dijk was immense, you know, fantastic for them. But I think you need to build, you know, what strike while the iron's hot. When are you ever going to get a chance to take some, with respect to, to the area of Blackburn, when are you going to sign a, a Zidane to go to Blackburn? You yeah. know, with the size of the, the football yeah. club, great football club, fantastic, close to my heart, but you that's your time and you didn't do it. Yeah. Did you think Alan was going to go on and do what he's, he'd done? I know he's, you compared him with I mean, kind of mentality there, yeah. but do you think he... He's your idol, isn't he? he was yeah. the one you I was just ridiculous. Yeah, I, he was, seriously, he was just laughable at times. I mean, he was just... We used to, if you put him in, you go 1v1. I mean, you you say you stand here, Alan, and whoever you wanted to pick, stand there and you race today, he would not try a leg and he wouldn't get there in front. If you put a ball there, you could put the quickest man in the world there and Alan there, and he would beat him to that ball. He'd stick his fingers in his eyes, he gets there. Was He's he like that? Was he a real? He comes to life when the goal is there and the ball is the ball's in amongst them. But the dark arts, what Charlie's talking about, he find he found a way. Mm. He would step across people. He was just he give goalkeepers absolutely no respect. He give the, the ball respect. He always used to say contact. It's about kicking that ball. If he wants to get in the way of it, it's going to knock him out. That is the way he looked at it. He was just contact, left foot, right foot, in the air. He just used to bully centre halves. Bully him. He used to stand behind him. I remember JT early days when he was just coming through, and he used to think he used to stand behind him when the goalkeeper's got the ball, and it was something new. And all of a sudden, he would just appear, and he was like almost catch it, get away with it because he refereed the game because of his presence. Referees were frightened to give decisions against Alan because he had such a personality, you know. So no, he was he was just incredible. But that was from the word go. Yeah. Now, I could I tell you the first game we played was away at Palace. He scored two of the best goals you've ever going to see, and it was just there from now on. 
Let's turn on to your manage, managerial career um, in a moment. But before we do, Spurs, you had a, a lot of good players there. Why did you underachieve in that squad, do you think? Is, and is it fair to say that you, you did underachieve a little bit, given the talent you had on the on the pitch? I don't think we underachieved. Really? Uh, I thought... I didn't think we underachieved when we were well, well, If you look at the Anderton, Sheringham, Campbell, Ginola, yourself, that's a hell of a squad. And I don't, I don't know we weren't good enough. Really? Yeah, because when you look at the other teams, I would say we were all right. We were all right. But I think yeah. the other teams at the time were so superior. Yeah. You know, the Man United were absolutely I suppose if you look at their squad, Did you have the winning mentality? Was that at Tottenham at that time? Uh, where, where is it? Where, has it ever been there? Like, or when's at, no, but I'm there? saying you when you obviously was at Blackburn yeah. and you was captain, you'd, you'd add it, and Blackburn obviously gone on to yeah. went. Did we, you take try and take that Tottenham and it just weren't there? Pretty much. I mean, we had George Graham as a manager who knew how to win. I mean, yeah. he'd been at Arsenal, you know, and it was a tough job for George because he's obviously crossing over the road and managing Tottenham, and the Tottenham fans didn't want him anyway. And he was a good man. And we, we, listen, we were close so many times we were close. In the Premier League, we never got anywhere near it. We went to a couple of semi-finals, won the League Cup. So, I mean, it was minimal success. But, mm. you, I mean, when you do read out the names, you're, you're quite right, Ollie, I mean, you would have to say. But a lot of them players probably coming towards the end a little yeah. bit. I mean, I was at the back end. I went there when I was 30. So, um, Anderton was an excellent player and... Obviously, Teddy, magnificent. Gus Poirier was there at the time. Les Ferdinand. So, yeah, you're probably right. Hindsight's a wonderful That was my era as a sort of relatively young boy growing up watching it. And you, I remember that squad and I just used to think they were... Like, Ginnola, watching Ginnola play yeah, football it was, incredible. was just a joy. Like, you know, some of the stuff he used to do. Well, then we will talk about management now with you because yeah. you managed a few clubs. Did you enjoy your time as a, man as a manager? Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I... I I got the opportunity to manage Tottenham by default. Obviously, they, they decided that they wanted to part with uh, Andre Villas-Boas and Daniel Levy come to me and I was working with a development squad. He said, would I manage the team till the end of the season? And I said, yeah. I said, it would be very difficult for me to go into the dressing room and get the respect if I'm not on a long contract. So, uh, you know, it's like when a supply teacher comes in the door, the kids start yeah, throwing... Yeah, paper you know, at them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I wasn't going to have that. I said it could be a problem for for you. So um, obviously we 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 dressed it up and um, I did it till the end of the season. And then uh, Pochettino came in and he did a decent job. <laughs> Just a bit. Do you think Jose is getting the best out of of Spurs at the moment? I think it's a fine margins with with Tottenham with Jose because if they do finish when they've still got a chance to finish in the top four and they win the Carabao Cup, that is the best season Tottenham had for a very very long time. Right. Now. If they finish where they are in the league now, six, and they're out of Europe, when there's no Europa League, so there's no Champions League, no Europa League, and they don't win the Carabao mm. Cup, it's not a very good season. What, what I find fascinating, I read that comment where they said, like, oh, you're, you've, you've thrown away a lot of winning positions this yep. season. He goes, um, same manager, different players. Mm. If you're a player in that dressing room, Chaz, are you not just going, you absolute tool? Like, why are you throwing us under it? You, you talk that's about what comes with Yeah, stuff, but I think that's what comes with Jose, and that's what sometimes he... He manages the dressing room and takes all the pressure on him. Mm. Sometimes he has no worries about chucking it straight on you. But I think as a group of individuals, and, and it depends obviously how strong Tottenham it, the squad is, I think they'll all look around and think, they'd know they ain't getting, they're underachieving. As we speak at the moment, they're underachieving because it says that in the, the league table. Imagine, can you imagine Tottenham next year 
fans back in, no European football. Be a disaster yeah, for the also, football club. No, potentially no Kane. But that's what I'm saying. No the European the, the football. effects of it comes on. But I'm saying in the dressing room now, they'll be thinking, we can't allow this to happen. Because if we lose Harry Kane, this squad can yeah. go all over the shop. Mm. And I think that's what, it come, that's what it actually all comes down to. It does. Harry Kane is the nucleus of that football team, the nucleus of that whole football club. It's a really key point, isn't it, in the season for Tottenham, as you say, because oh, it can go one or two ways. It's like a toss, toss of a coin job. North London derby, though, because you've touched on it a couple of mm. times. Is that, for you, the match that you will always remember as, as the match in your career? Always. Oh, yeah. I dreamed about playing the North London derby, you know, when I was a kid, because like I can say it was red or white. Um, it was brilliant, you know. My dad still goes to the Emirates. He went to Highbury. He, 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 he took me to Highbury when I was a kid. He... I remember scoring a winner for Tottenham in 99. And when I went up to the players' lounge after I thought someone had died, when I saw my dad, he was just distraught. You know, it was almost like, oh, well done, that was good, wasn't it? He, he knew he had to say that, but it, it means that much to him. Wow, awesome. oh, he would have hated awesome. you. He, you know, it was half pleased for me, but he was <laughs> no, disappointed with the result. Man. So, uh, no, it is the big game. It's the, it's the game everyone looks out for. Well, certainly I did. I was, well, you know, when I went to Tottenham, it was like, well, when do we play Arsenal? Hopefully we got them again. Yeah. Um, even though most of the time when I was a player, he took a good idea off them. So what we talk about your management, I'd like Aston Villa, you know, when you went in there mm. and we've... Did Jack have that? You know when you said Harry had the, mm. that desire and the determination, the mentality there? Did Jack have very similar then at your age? Different. It was different. Different. He just had raw ability, like you would not believe. I remember going and watching him play. Uh, he was 16, he was playing in the under 18s at Bollymore Heath, which is the training ground of, of Villa. And I was working with Harry at Tottenham. So I used to watch the first team for Harry up the top, and they used to come down half time yeah. and have a, little, have a little meeting, see what I saw. But I remember going there in the morning and thinking, I want to go because I want to see this kid really play. He was playing against our under-18s. And he didn't disappoint me at all. And I remember thinking, oh, we would just love to be working with this kid. So I remember saying to Harry, we had a first, I won't mention the player's name, we had a player who Villa wanted for their first team. And he wasn't playing at Tottenham. So I remember saying, let's get rid of him. Get rid of him and say, you give us Greenish and we'll do a part X now. I said, this kid's a bit, and, but Harry was absolutely right, and he, he's because of experience. Greenish weren't going to help him out then. And by the time Greenish was ready to yeah. produce, Harry would not have been there, or no manager would, you know, unless you were Wenger, like with a tennis yeah. stint yeah. or whatever. So it just don't happen. So you learn along the way, and Harry's absolutely right. He weren't going to offer him nothing, and he might have to use the boy who I was talking about, who's an established player who played international football. But I knew Jack was special. So when I went in there, I was thinking, right, how am I going to structure the team to get the best out of Benteke, who was our only goal-scoring threat, really, and find a route for this kid, Grealish. And it was it was just moving it around, and, and we managed to do all right, do you know what I mean? At your expense. Yeah. yeah. You scored against us, didn't yeah, you? Three three, three, yeah, 3 Benteke scored a hat-trick, didn't Benteke he? Benteke got a hat-trick. Crazy. He was unbelievable for me. Benteke? He scored 13 goals in 11 games. Can you understand why it hasn't worked for him? Yeah, because I think that people have tried to be a little bit too sophisticated with him. Yeah. He, his strengths are getting the boy in the box and he is so powerful. He's, I have not seen, Ashira was very good in the air. Les was obviously very good in the air, Les Ferdinand. This boy comes very close really? to them. But get him in the box. 
he started coming off wanting to be a number 10 when he went to Liverpool and all that. And I remember saying to Brendan, trying to put him off as much yeah. as I could because they met the buyout clause. And I knew if he went, it was impossible for us to, for whatever they got for him, 32 million was a lot of money yeah. at that time. And I remember Brendan saying, we're going to buy, buy him out. I was trying my best to put him off him because I knew I needed him because I didn't want him to sign anyone because they kept wanting to sign different players from the French league primarily. And I, I remember saying to him, let me keep this squad of players, I'll keep in the league next year, if that's your objective. Yeah. You should be higher than that. For of the course, yeah, yeah. But if that's your objective, do not sell anyone, make sure Christian stays, and I'll keep you in the league again. But they, a few of them moved on, Fabian Delft, Ron mm. Villar, uh, Tom Cleverley, um, and Christian Benteke. That is the core. That's that your is, core squad. I, I used to say, you know, I'll put the decorations on the tree, but give me the tree first, and they took the tree away. So yeah. it's almost impossible. Yeah, it's left with a bauble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, time for the studs up hat trick now, um, which we ask all our guests to do. Three questions: left foot, right foot, and a header. Um, the perfect hat trick. And the first question that we always ask our guests is: Who was the biggest influence in your career, Tim? I would have to say my, my old man. You know, yeah. it's like. Um, you know, when they, they give up so much of their time, um, I, the clubs now, I mean, they pick the kids up, they take them, they do them back, they feed them, they do all that. But my mum and dad had to do that for me. Yeah. You know, and, and you appreciate that. And, and Charlie would, would vouch for this. And his granddad, and, you know, they play a lot of, you know, a big, big part of your career. So it, it's, there's other people along the way, but I'd have to say that you, you can't look further than your family. Uh, what about the best player you've you've worked with? Oh, played. Oh, well, let's do played and let's do managed Shira, as well. Shira, played with? Shira. Shira. There's been good ones. And I'm, listen, I'm not even apologising to the ones who are not going to be at the top because he's so good. Yeah. I've got a Premier League medal and he's the reason why I got it. That's madness. It yeah. is. And I, just, I know we constantly go on, who's the best striker in the Premier League? Who's the best striker we've ever seen? This guy scored 260 goals. Like Henri got you off your seat. Yeah. We didn't score 260 Premier League goals. Yeah. yeah. That I, that's for me, I always say he's the best. He's, he's not a bad um, he's not a bad golfer as well. He owned a horse, do you remember? Augusta Kate. Mm -hmm. I think um they named it because they took a trip to the Masters, and obviously it's the Masters week as well. We'll talk about the golf in a moment, but um he loves his racing as well, mm -hmm. Alan. He's got a lot of airtime on his podcast this week. <laughs> I hope he's listening because yeah. he's got a lot of praise as well. And finally, to complete the hat trick, what's been the most embarrassing moment in your career, would you say? I, w I would I would probably say, and it is I don't really like to think about it too much. Is the FA Cup final when I managed Villa semi final when we we beat Liverpool was such a great occasion, and to get beat heavily in the final by Arsenal was a real downer. You know, you said after that, didn't you? I put a quote here. Said it was probably the the worst thing we could have done. What did you mean by that? false expectation for the for the owners. We shouldn't right. be nowhere near a cup final. Right. You know, I think Southampton might go to the cup final this year. That is like it it's not as bad. We were struggling in the bottom of the league. We survived in the Premier League and got to the cup final and beat Liverpool who we were fantastic along the way. So it almost gives them false hope for false going hope into the next thinking season. well they're not coming and they you know because you're in yeah. the cup final. I think sometimes yeah. it pays like Arsenal have done it. With Mikel, yeah. you know he's got that cup. He won the trophy. You know he's in there ringing the ringing the bell. He's won the trophy, and all of a sudden they're looking at the squad. But he he knows. He's saying this ain't good. They ain't good enough. If you want a challenge for the Premier League, they're nowhere near it. But it gives them false hope. Yeah. 
Tim, it's been fascinating reflecting on your career. We're going to turn our attentions back though now to the to the Grand National. Let's turn our attentions to the world's most famous race, which is coming up live on Saturday at 5.15, live from Aintree. And we can hear now from one of the leading players in the race. He's a Studs Up regular, I think it's fair to say, having appeared on an earlier edition of Studs Up. It is time once again to check in with Daryl Jacob, who's very much looking forward to getting back on the grey Bristol Domain. Before we talk about Bristol Domain's chances, just take us back to that that thrilling win on Neptune Colonge. How much did that win change your life? Yeah, good morning, Ollie. Um, yeah, no, it was um, it was a, an unbelievable. Um, it was a life changer, really. I mean, obviously, every jockey gets into into racing. Um, you know, wants to be involved in the Grand National, and uh, you know, I've been very, very lucky um, over the years. I've had uh, plenty of rides in the Grand National, but. You know, to you know, to say you've actually won it when people ask you, you know, about the Grand National, about being a jockey. You know, the the first thing they'll ask you, you know, have you ever have you ever ridden in the Grand National, or have you ever won the Grand National? And uh, you know, you can say, you know, you have won the Grand National. So it's, uh, you know, it, it it was an unbelievable day. It was an unbelievable feeling, and uh, you know, it was uh, it was very very exceptional. Yeah, and I think it was the shortest ever winning margin in the race as well, with the you know whiskers in it. It was just a, a remarkable race, and um, your reaction afterwards was just um, sheer elation. It was it was terrific to watch. I, I imagine having having done it, you won it again. And in Bristol, um, Demai, a horse you absolutely adore. Do you think you've got a good chance of doing it again? I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's got a, a similar sort of a. A profile hasn't he to Neptune? I mean, since I won the race in Neptune, he's been the sort of the classiest horse I've ridden in the race. Um, you know, Neptune had, um, you know, he had Gold Cup place form, so was Bristol. You know, and Le- Neptune, I suppose, was probably unlucky. Um, you know, in his his era, he was around, you know, Denman and Cato Star, and he probably would have won more Grade Ones if it wasn't for them two horses. But you know, Bristol's he's he's won seven Grade Ones. Um, he's been placed in a Gold Cup. Um, he's a very, very classy horse, um, you know, and he's, he, he, like you say, he's, he, I, I think going in there, I think he's got a massive chance. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really excited about him. What do you like, even though you've won the race on the day of the race? Are you a, a, someone who gets nervous? Is there lots of nerves in the weighing room that day? Uh, yeah, it's a different sort of weighing room, um, Grand National Day to, to your normal day. You know, everyone's obviously very, very excited. Everyone's, you know, got a lot of energy. Um, you know, and you just got to try and con- contain that, you know, the excitement of riding in the Grand National or being involved in the Grand National Day itself. It's it's a u- unique experience. And, um, you know, some people will handle it differently. Like you can see like quite a, a lot of people that are quite loud during the week and stuff like that, and they'll go very, very quiet. And then you'll obviously see the reverse angle of that as well. So, um, you know, you, different personalities definitely come out on, on, on Grand National Day. And we heard that great story when you were a guest with us on Studs Up about you and Sammy talking in a in a race at Ludlow. I, I absolutely love it. But in the Grand National, <laughs> it's over four and a half miles, so you've got loads of time. Um, is there much communication amongst the jockeys about positioning and and things like that? There's a lot of screaming. That if you want to know that. <laughs> um, yeah. Look, it's. Like I say, it's you, you know obviously it's 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 a, a very very high profile race and um, but look when you're out there too you know yeah we're in the game for the lover and for for the for the crack as well and like you say you do try to have as much as you can you know especially over you know for the first 
three miles and stuff like that, you will talk to other jockeys. You will have a bit of banter with, with other jockeys, like how are you jumping? And, you know, when a jockey beside you hits a fence hard and stuff like that, you will have a bit of banter. But, you know, getting down to the serious end of the race when, you know, in the last sort of, in the last mile, the last three quarters of a mile, then it's it's very much, you know, every jockey for himself. There's no inch given. And uh, you, you've got to be really, you've got to be really zoned into what you're doing. So Daryl Jacob hoping once again to steer a grey to Grand National glory and uh, not many greys have won, not many top weights have won. And indeed, as Tim said at the top of the, uh, the podcast this week, it is a lottery. The first horse ever to win the Grand National was called Lottery, but Bristol de May has been such a great horse for Daryl. And it's become a race where the classier horse, Charlie, has got a great chance. And I think Bristol de May arguably is the best horse in the race in terms of natural talent. Yeah, you can say that. Obviously, it's there, but ultimately, it comes down to the weights, don't it? Mm. Do you um, think it's too much? I do, to carry? yeah. I do. I think it's too much. It's a grade one winning horse, constantly. I just feel that the favourite Tremor Hammond's horse is going to take a hell of a stop in, you know what I mean? It's one of those this year where you're sort of desperately looking for Somewhere a else. horse to take him on with. Yeah. And yet, you always just come back and go, he's £14 well in cloth cap. He's, if it was a normal race, it'd be a stone higher. Um, he likes quick ground. You know he stays. He races on speed, so he shouldn't have all the sort of carnage in behind. Like, it's almost too good to be true. Do you know mm. what I mean? I'm sort of trying to find a way to get him beat, and I keep going, I can't really. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Anything to, to take him on with? I mean, any second now is trained by Ted Walsh, who's won the race with Pappy on a few years ago. Mm. Now, he's a horse that lots of people are tipping up against cloth cap, and... Obviously, Ted knows what it takes to win yeah. the race. Take cloth cap out of it. It's a better race, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, it, and it's a much more interesting betting heat yeah, as well yeah. in many ways. Because it's 10 to 1 the field then, isn't it? Well, that's what I mean. But then even if you have ti if Tiger Roll ran... Yeah. Would Tiger Roll be favourite if he was running in it? I don't think he would, no, yet. But that's what I'm saying. Would he not? Uh, well, if cloth caps... I, I think if you're saying he's, stone, be, he's a stone well in... Fives... Do you know what I mean? So the shrewd joints. punters are going to be backing cloth cap, aren't they? Let's mm. be honest. Mm. The shrewd punters... It wouldn't surprise me if he goes off shorter. And that sounds mental yeah. for, a, for a Grand National, doesn't it? But it wouldn't surprise me if he goes off short. But then there are, look, there are big, powerful yards mm. and horses represented. Jig and Stown have got a load, the owners of Tiger Roll still. Yeah. JP McManus has got five or six in the race. You've yeah. obviously got Cloth Cap. But we, we still have, as we've touched on already, the story horses like Manella Times for Rachel, yeah. Yalarenki for Bryony Frost, Sub-Lieutenant for Tabitha Worsley. And then you've got Potter's Corner, who won the virtual Grand National last year and is owned by John Davies, the Welsh centre, who's won the Six Nations recently. Now, he's not out of it for Wales, I don't think, Chaz. I think he's got a decent chance. Yeah, he's got a good chance, of course. And again, he's going to have everyone behind him. There's a virtual one. He must have been buzzing at home. That was the most watched year. race of 2020, like unsurprisingly, but there was no racing for three months. But I think about 8 million people watched the virtual. But that's Grand what I mean. Race. I think that just shows how important... The race is to a, yeah. to a lot of people. Everyone's brought up around it was either the FA Cup final, mm. the, the Grand National. Everyone's buzzes off it. I think he's got a great chance for the Welsh, um, but mate, I I just can't get away from the favourite. I really can't. Uh, one of the other horses that we're going to um, discuss now is Vierleon Rouge. He's actually, believe it or not, got the most successful record of any horse in the history of horse racing jumping the Grand National fences because he's jumped two hundred and thirty-two Grand National fences. And not once has he made a mistake. We can hear now from his trainer, David Pike. David, there will be people up and down the country who are picking out names out of hats for sweepstakes and what have you. And I suppose if they pick your horse out, Vieux Leon Rouge, um, 
I don't want to put the mockers on it, but they'll know that this is a horse that absolutely loves entry in the Grand National fences. Yeah, I mean he lights up to the uh, lights up to the occasion. Uh, he's been an amazing horse around these fences, and uh, if they pick him out, I'm sure they get a run for his money. Uh, unfortunately, the trip does uh, probably seem a little bit too far for him, but uh, I don't know. He's in very good form at home, and um, Colin Farrell's going to ride him, um, and uh, we hope for a good run again. He's uh, he's jumped. 232 national fences without mishap in a race and he won the Beecher Chase this year, he's won that race before as, as well. What What is it about the, the challenge, the test that seems to bring out the best in him? Uh, I wish I knew. Uh, as, as we said, he jumps those fences better than the park fences. I mean, he's a very inquisitive horse. Um, you know, he, he knows when he gets to entry that um, it's the special day. Um, you know, he loves it. Obviously, he won the Beecher, as you said, this year. He's won it twice. Um, he, he's very accurate over those fences and uh, he eyes them up. And, uh, you know, he must be a dream ride for, for a jockey. Cross Cat will be ridden by your regular jockey, your stable jockey, Tom Scudamore. I, I know that obviously you'll be cheering Gurley on Rouge on, but if, if Gurley on Rouge wasn't to win, um, how proud would you be of, of Tom if he was able to win on Cross Cat? Well, yeah, no, very proud. I mean, he's um, the ultimate professional and uh, his father uh, never won the Grand National. Um, so it would be a, a feather in his cap. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, as I say, he's got all the right credentials, the, the, the horse and the jockey. Uh, Scoo's got a good track record around there. Um, so I'm sure he's very much looking forward to it. And so nice, actually, there that David would be really proud if um, if Scoo was to win the Grand National, even though he's not riding his horse. And I guess you as a manager, if a player like, I suppose, you probably get pride seeing what Harry's done or Jack's done mm. now, I guess. Yeah, you do. It's, it's not When you develop players, it's not about them winning trophies about seeing them as individuals you know moving forward and playing captain in England is a really proud moment for someone who's had a small part of his development um okay then come on I want a grand national tip but I think actually there's not much point in asking because I think we're, no, sorry, we're probably all going to tip the favorite here <laughs> do you have any uh, big price that you fancy no no <laughs> cloth cap well, you can both wear this. I've got a cloth cap, but yeah. I, and I would go if if he gets introduced into the race, Bow Bay, but only from yeah. name. Yeah, exactly. Any names? Not what are the numbers we need to look out for? What are the 15, 11, 15. 11 and 15. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to give a few a few horses to keep an eye on at a price. I actually do think Sub Lieutenant Tabitha's ride is way too big a price because this horse finished fourth in a grade one at Aintree, second in a grade one at Aintree, second in a topham over the national fences. And if it was trained by someone who was a more well-known name would be much, much shorter. So I actually think Sub-Lieutenant will run well. I think any second now is going to go pretty close to the favourite. And Disco Rama is a horse that I actually really fancy in the race. I'll be backing Disco Rama for Paul Nolan and Brian Cooper, who had festival success with Mrs Milner. Uh, nearly won the Irish Grand National with latest exhibition, but I think Disco Rama, he definitely stays. He's a, he's a talented horse. So those would be my, with Cloth Cap, my... Grand National one two three four. Um, Skybet will no doubt be offering lots of attractive deals on the day, and you can check the best prices and what have you with our good friends at Odds Checker. So make sure you get involved with the uh, the Grand National. Now we should just talk about the golf as well because not only I mean this for me is hands down my favourite week of the year. Mm. Golf and Grand National. Uh, Augusta, are you a big golfer? Yeah, I love golf. Love what do you it. play off? I play off six. Bloody hell. 
<laughs> he won't be joining us, no, will no. we? We'll hold you up, Tim. <laughs> but do you play off eight? Yeah, true. But anyway, yeah. I'm trying to get a few shots. No, yeah, and Augusta, will you be watching yeah, for every brilliant. shot? Brilliant. And uh, I've, I've seen a, the guys practicing there and the greens look like they're lightning yeah. quick. So as always, but I think Jordan Spieth just hit form at the right time. You know, he loves this place. Yeah. I, and you know what? I would, I'll be betting him. You know, is I, he your fancy in it? I just think he is. I think golf has come in streaks. You know, yeah. we saw Molinari when he when he won a, a, in the PGA at Wentworth, and then he he went and cleaned up, didn't he? After that, and win the Masters. But I think that Spieth knows how to win. Who are you siding with? I'm going Patrick Cantley. <laughs> Only because <laughs> I honestly, you like this. I come home Listen from the game. For for I this come one. home from the <laughs> game on Monday. <laughs> put a chance as a golf masters on there. Looking, first doing, player, doing a press conference. Isn't the first person on there, Patrick Cantlay. What you'll do for me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll do, you'll do for me. I ain't got a clue what he's been up to last four or five weeks. Could be having a stinker. Might have missed every cut. He was the first of us here for. I'm on. Yeah. There is a theory though. When you drive to the races, if you see a trainer, jockey, or mm. lorry when you're driving in, you should back whoever the sort of person you see, yeah. the first person you see is. Yeah. So that's the theory. Um, Sky there are paying eleven places in the uh, in the Augusta Masters. Augusta Masters, the Masters at Augusta uh, so make sure you get involved so Cantlay Spieth who will I side I think Paul Casey could go well actually he's pretty solid isn't he mm. okay it's time now on studs up for our um, studs up double and I think series one has actually even though we haven't had a double I'm going to just defend us now in the studs up dressing room because we've had Eight selections. I think between us, we've had a near enough a winner every week, but we've never managed to join forces and have the double come in. So let's hope that the uh, the entry meeting can land a double. Who are you going for? Linda Garosko in the stayers hurdle for me. Rebecca Curtis, she, he fell at, um, at Cheltenham. I just think he got one better this time. He was a stayers hurdle winner at Cheltenham a couple of years ago, but as you say, no luck at uh, Cheltenham. Hoping for more luck at Aintree. I've actually got a horse running. Um, on Friday at Aintree, so I've got to put him in. I own a very small share in two for Goldie Runs in the Topham, which is a race over the Grand National Fences on the Friday. Uh, this has been the target all season. Um, he's training really well. He actually finished behind Cloth Cap at Kelso uh, last time out. So the form, um, if you're a Cloth Cup fan, Cloth Cap fan, you want to see how my horse gets on on Friday and then probably double your stakes if he wins. So that's my selection. Two for Gold on Friday and Liz Nagaroska for Chaz on the Saturday. Uh, as always, Skybet have got great offers uh, on the app for Aintree. First up, and there's loads of offers this week, on Thursday there's a money back as cash offer. That's if your horse finishes second. Uh, and then they're paying extra places on the Aintree Bowl, which will see Tiger roll in, the Aintree Hurdle and the Red Rum Chase. I actually quite like Zanzar in that race. And then for the Grand National itself on Saturday, Skybet are paying six places which is great for each way backers. So six places in the Grand National, 11 places in the Masters, and loads of great racing to enjoy this weekend from Aintree. It has been an absolute pleasure being in the Studs Up dressing room for the first time, long overdue, and it's been, um, been a joy, as we mm. knew it would be, Chaz. Yeah, mate, long overdue, very enjoyable. Thanks very much for coming in, Tim. Thank Made you. it a pleasure. Tim, yeah, that was fascinating. Enjoy the great week of sport. Thanks so much for your time and reminiscing on your career there. And, um, Hopefully, fingers crossed, pointing our listeners and viewers in the way of a few winners. Mm. Um, top man, thank you, as always, to you for tuning in. Like, subscribe, do whatever you need to do. But one thing you definitely should do is enjoy uh, this weekend of just world-class sport all around the globe. We'll see you next time. Stoke up.